Father, we give you praise. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you have prepared for us for this evening. Lord, we receive it with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for the word of wisdom. Thank you for the word of knowledge. Thank you for insight and understanding. Thank you, Lord, for revelation. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Understanding is your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. God will give you insight. Amen. He will give you direction. Amen. He will give you understanding. Amen. What you do not know. Many people are suffering for lack of knowledge. That suffering will end in Jesus' name. Amen. Because knowledge will come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Can you greet three people beside you? Tell the person, suffering by ignorance is over. <laughs> Tell two more people that. One more person. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's continue looking at God's word again today. I want us to open our Bibles to to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, I'm using the New King James because I just want a particular word which my usual New American Standard does not use, but I just like to read this one. I want that word. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 from verse 1. So let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will be from God. Now again, let's open our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Okay, I'm going to read from verse 1, but I'll just jump quickly to where I want, which is verse 12. Just want to use verse for a few verses in the early parts to give it context. He said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and from Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, like I said, I'll just quickly jump to verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, 
putting me into service. Or like King James would say, putting me, he committed to me a ministry. He said, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was showed mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which we are found in Christ Jesus. Let me just stop reading that verse 14. Now, those are the two portions of the scriptures I want us to start with today. And I have a question I want to ask, something I want everybody to think about. I want everybody to consider, and all right, let's all consider these things in our hearts. Simple question is this, what is the thing that's most important to you in life, really? What is the thing that's really driving you, pushing you? Now, please, let me go back to this thing I teach again and again when I'm explaining things to people, that these days, when people say that God spoke to them, or when they say that, now, let, let me just say this. There are words you, sh- you have to be careful when you use, all right? Don't stop saying God spoke to you. Be very, very careful. Unless you, look, if a scripture was, you know, brightened in your eyes, say it. That scripture came alive to me. Say it like that. Do you understand my point? I had a dream, and I understood, say it like that. When you use expressions like God spoke to me, I think we are too flippant with that expression. Everybody says it. When he finishes praying, a thought drops in his heart. He said, God spoke to me. God did not speak to you. Just say, a thought dropped in my heart, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Are you getting my point? The Spirit of God prompted something in me. Use expressions that are safe. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> Be very careful. Be very careful. Let's just not use God spoke to me anyhow. All right? Now, I'm always explaining this. When many times Christians say that the Lord spoke to them, or the Holy Spirit spoke to them, what they are referring to is that the other way they say it, that my spirit spoke to me. I heard my spirit. My spirit said. Now, I keep on emphasizing. The problem with that teaching, okay? You know, it was very popular in Christianity, in World of Faith Movement, when I was young, like as a young believer on campus those days. We were trained to hear our spirits. You were trained to pray until every other thought is silent, and then your spirit can now speak. Now, the concept, this is the principle behind it, is that if you, that you have a spirit, well, the idea is that you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, but the, the summary, we are made up of what? Spirit, soul, and body. And that when you give your life to Christ, that your spirit is born again, regenerated, and that spirit is pure because it's fashioned after God. And many of the scriptures we read, we say it applies to our spirit. When we say that we've been, we have, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, we say it's our spirit. So, for that reason, if only you can get that spirit to talk, whatever it says will be clean. They will not say things like, now these are scriptures, the spirit of a man is a candle of the Lord. Are you getting my point? Now, so this is, this is what we derived from all of these thoughts. That if my spirit speaks, it is the will of God. If my spirit speaks, it's exactly what God wants me to do. That is the genesis of much of the confusion you have experienced. That's the genesis. Now, those things are not wrong entirely, but they're also not totally accurate. We overlooked some things. The concept that the spirit of a Christian is totally pure is not correct. Because the Bible makes it clear it can be defiled. Paul said, let us do what? cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Spirit can be defiled. That's one problem. Number two, 
There are many sides to it. The word spirit in scriptures has a lot of uses. And the application, when the Bible is applying it, you have to be careful and read the context. So, does the seed of God dwell in the child of God? The answer is yes, it does. But that part of you that the Bible calls spirit, that's not the only thing that is there. That's the mistake we make. Do you understand? We think that is the only thing that is there. That is not the only thing that is there. So we have a lot of arguments. Like can a Christian be possessed or be obsessed or be depressed or be, you know, all those kind of things by a demon? We have a lot of hair splitting arguments over some of those things. They will now say say things like uh, an evil spirit cannot get into the spirit of a Christian. I don't know. All I know that Paul said the spirit can be what? Defiled. That's why he said it needs to be cleansed. So let's cleanse ourselves of what? All defilement of flesh and spirit. Why am I emphasizing this? When, now please read the book. I explained it inside there. Guided by the spirit. I just need to emphasize this again. So when a spirit has been defiled and it speaks, it's as clear and it's the same voice as the one that has not been defiled and it speaks. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It is spirit talk. So no matter how much you pray and pray until you're quieting your mind, quieting your heart, and your spirit speaks, it doesn't make it clean. It does not mean it is God that has spoken. It does not mean the spirit of God has spoken by force, just because you think you have heard your spirit. That is why many times, at least I've had that experience, Christians will tell me something they want to do, and tell me it's their spirit that said they should do it. Before I used to argue, I said, no, your spirit could not have said that. And, of course, they are insistent, it's the sp- their spirit. But now I realize that I was half wrong. No, they were half wrong too. <laughs> what do I mean by that? <laughs> Did their spirit say it? Possibly. Where I, I would, someone like me would have been arguing, is that how can your spirit tell you? Because we both agree that if your spirit must be speaking from the knowledge communicated from the heavenly uh, presence of God through the Holy Spirit into your spirit. So if your spirit speaks, it should be clean. So when that, that thing is not clean, when it's not in agreement with the word of God that is already recorded for all of us, arguments start and say, no, your spirit could not have spoken. That's why I made my own mistake. Well, later I realized that, no, it is the spirit that spoke. That's where I was half wrong. Where the other fellow was half wrong, and which I was also half wrong, is that we both agreed that if indeed is the spirit, it must be correct. But I learned later, it is not so. It can be wrong. A man's spirit can be wrong within him, and be a believer. That's why Paul said, cleanse yourself of what? Defilement of flesh and spirit. Spirit can be defiled. Now, another word that's used in the scriptures, for, uh, another way the word spirit is applied in the Bible is, now that's why I talk about this. What is your goal in life? What is pushing you? What is driving you? Anytime you wake up in the morning, what is your focus? That is also what the Bible calls your spirit. It's not only that, you know, you know like um, that born again part of you, like the way we talk about it. No. If you wake up in the morning and your drive in life is that I must hammer, you know, our Nigerian English. I must make it materially. You will give, if you give your life to Christ, and listen, let me say this again. That is why once I was reading Genesis and I realized that God, after when he was creating that Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says he separated what? Light from darkness. The, this is the application of it. Light can be present. It doesn't mean darkness has gone. Light can be present. It does not mean darkness has gone. 
That is why we have a duty as believers to be careful, to deliberately separate light from darkness. Many people became born again. They gave their lives to Christ. They were received into the kingdom, into the church. But, you know, remember the, what is the name of that fellow? Simon the sorcerer. Are you getting my point? What did Peter say about him? He said that you are still in the goal of bitterness. This is the Bible. This, let's read it. This is a man that the Bible says also believed. He also believed. Yet, what did Peter say about him? All the, the, all the days that he was doing what he was doing, he was making a lot of money. Acts chapter 8. Uh, well, just to get it um, in full context, let's start from verse 4. Now, those who had been scattered abroad went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began preaching Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. Now, notice the word unclean spirits. That's another way of using the word spirit. Here was referring to demons, personalities. Do you understand? Individuals, spiritual beings that were residing inside people. So in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him. For time's sake, I'm just going to jump a few lines. Now, verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. They were being baptized. Even Simon himself believed. Did he believe? Who said he believed? You or me? Huh? The scriptures now. Luke wrote it in the book of Acts was here. That the man also believed. <laughs> so you see, even Simon himself believed. And was he baptized? He was baptized. You're following the point. <laughs> After being baptized, he continued on with Philip. He might entered into the ministry. He so believed, he began to preach too. He joined Philip. He continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. This is a man who has believed. This is a man who has been baptized. This is a man who has joined Philip in ministry. Do you understand? Now, let's see what the Bible says concerning the same person. So you understand some of our doctrines are not totally accurate. And that's why we have a lot of confusion in our practices. Now, if you read from verse 14, we will not read, we will not read all of that from verse 14. Peter and John came and ministered the Holy Spirit to people. And verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed upon through the laying on of hands, laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Did he believe? Uh -uh. 
Is that Peter was not there? Okay, Peter was not there when he believed. It was Peter. It was Philip that baptized him. Maybe that was what's confusing Peter. No. Peter knew. He walked with Jesus for a long time. He understood the way these things worked. And he said, oh boy, even though you are in church, your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours. And pray that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see, now this is where I'm going, word of knowledge operating now. Understanding, discernment operating now with true Peter. He said, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. A man who has believed. This same person will be taught your spirit is pure, you know, just quieting your ears and then your heart and anything that comes out of your spirit. <laughs> Peter said, a man who is in the bondage of bitterness. You know, I read my Bible. Read, read through. Most of the people that gave poor problems were Christians, baptized believers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, baptized Christian. May God repay him according to his work, a church member, elder. Someone wanted preeminence. John said, if you don't do what they say, they, they, was it, who said it? Was it John or, or James? Was it John that said it? That one man, yes, I think it's John. That's a light preeminence. Harassing everybody. Spreading iniquity inside church. Church leader. Some of our doctrines need to be modified. This is a man who has believed. Peter said concerning him, I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Let me just stop here. Now, why I read all of this is to let us understand something again. What was Simon supposed to do? Did he have light now? Now answer me. Did he have light? Answer me. You are not sure? The man believed. He was baptized. Light had come to him. Unfortunately, darkness was not totally gone. That's what I was trying to explain. Even though he had believed, he was still in the goal of what? Bitterness. That thing was still driving him and pushing him. Many Christians believe they still love money. Jokes apart. Especially since they gave their lives to Christ when a prosperity preacher was preaching. So they gave their life to Christ and held on to the love of money. It's not the prosperity preacher's fault. The man preached the gospel, he's just a prosperity preacher. So many people came to church still loving money. But we can see from here, okay, of course, we can just apply this from here, that many are still in the what? The goal, the bondage of covetousness. That's the point I'm trying to make in all of these things. Talking about your spirit. So when your spirit speaks, it doesn't just speak the word of God because it's coming from your spirit. No. What comes from your spirit is... Now, the Holy Spirit can speak through there. I'm not saying it doesn't. But so can evil spirits. So can fleshly spirits. It is what is deeper, you know. You know that when I, I invented that word last week. It is what is what? Deepermost. <laughs> no, we have uppermost. There is also deepermost. What is in the depths of the heart? That is what is now propelling the individual. And whatever is there propelling you, deep inside your heart, many times you don't even know it is there. The Bible also uses the expression, spirit for it. So you hear things of spirit of jealousy, spirit of anger. The man is quick to get angry. Is quick to get angry. There's a spirit of covetousness. 
in the same manner, he was only looking for, like they say, he has dollar signs in his eyes. Naira signs, everything. How does it turn to money? Because I've, I've listened to Ken Hagin so much. There are so many of his stories. He told the story of one man that was helping him out once in ministry. A minister. So he said, well, let's go around preaching together. He said that fellow was always coming up with schemes to make money. He said, they said, of course, trying to manage money. They go and do a program. Here and the guy will share a room. So at night, he's trying to sleep so they can wake up during the night and pray and study. As he's lying there, the guy will say, Ken, are you still awake? He tries to pretend like, he's trying to pretend like he's asleep, but what can you do? The man says, are you awake? He says, yes. He said, you know that reverend that came yesterday, do you reckon you have any money? Everything is, will you have any money? <laughs> it's always checking how they can make money from their programs. After a while, he and the man fell apart. They couldn't continue together. And this man was an ordained minister too. You see, everything the man wanted, oh, do you think I'll make any money from that? No, the, everything to him was money, money, money. That's the same spirit a man like Simon the sorcerer had. And so, if he lies down and he prays and he prays and everything around him goes quiet, hmm? It is what he's seeking deep inside his heart that will speak to him. The Bible says transgression speaks to the wicked in his heart. That is, these things they speak, unfortunately, when we don't understand. Because of the way the voice just rises from the depths of our heart. You know what we will say? It's my spirit. So we see a girl, a young, good Christian, mommy of fellowship style. You know, you know those kind of people that... On campus, hey, shama, mama, mama, that's how they greet you in the morning. They are so spiritual. Only those prayer-warring brothers, evangelism leaders, can think that God spoke to them that they should propose to that kind of person. Yet, now, what I'm telling you is a real story. One day you will hear that this girl is getting married, and she will marry somebody that everybody apart from her knows is an unbeliever. And when you ask her, say, oh, girl, what happened? She said, my spirit. Earth. And you can't argue because in the day you met her, she had been spiriting. Everything, everything has been her spirit. When you see her hair, you want to say, ah, sis, your hair is fine, no? He said, you know, when I was going to this salon, my spirit said, I should do this style. Oh, does she go to the salon? People like her, no. She's looking for them. Things of the world. When I went to the plating joint, yeah, that's where she would go. I was, I was just praying, I was just praying, I was just praying. And then, then I, I, I said, where? I saw in the spirit, two angels passed, and they had this hairstyle. Now I said, me, I do So the same person that tells you now, who are you to talk? I found out later, she was not lying. Yes, her spirit was speaking. And her spirit said to her, arise my daughter. This is he that the Lord has sent. He doesn't believe, what does it matter? Your spirit has spoken. If you look very closely, he's rich. If you look very closely, he's from the local government that her father likes. If you look very closely, all the four younger ones she has been thinking of how she will handle, this guy is going to handle everything. If you look very closely, that was what was speaking to her. That was why after they cast lots and everything to choose a replacement for Judas, Peter said in prayer, God, you are the only one that knows the heart of all men. Tell us who of these two that you have chosen. Because only God knew the hearts of people. 
No matter how spiritual this person looked, only God knew her heart. What was inside her heart, the rest of you did not know that Simon the sorcerer was living there. She prophesied all these years with Simon the sorcerer still there. And many believers, that is the problem we have. So that was why last year, in school of prayer, we kept on praying things like this. Search me, O Lord. You know, try me and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts. Because sometimes you yourself, you don't know it. Listen to me. Simon was not a bad man because he believed. It's there. And when you see, when Peter finished railing on him, he didn't get angry. That's to let you know he was not a bad man. He didn't get angry. What did he say? He said, pray for me yourselves so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. He wasn't a bad person. When, we say, when the Bible says he believed, he really believed. After believing, he, he was still in the gall of bitterness. After believing, there were still evil things in his heart. That's what I meant when I said the Bible, God said concerning creation, that he had to now come and separate what? Light from darkness. Every one of us need to learn to separate light from darkness. I hope you're getting my point here. So many things that we say, my spirit spoke. Don't be impressed with that. Because many people's spirits that spoke that confused you. It was other things that had polluted the spirit that was speaking to them. Those things spoke and it was clear in their ears. It's my spirit. But like I said, part of the problem is that we didn't realize that when you use the word spirit, it's not only that seed of God that's lying around there. Bitterness often lies there. People don't know. So they make statements, they make judgments. They don't realize that they are bitter. They don't realize that somebody that they are angry with, the anger is still there. And that's why I began this evening by saying, one question you must ask yourself, what is the most important thing to you? What really are you looking for in life? One of these um, the songs of Kirk Franklin, one of the, I think, this should, should be, my, amongst my top three of all Kirk Franklin tracks I've heard was the one that said, what are you looking for? If I, if I knew, if I played it, because what you are looking for in life, that is actually what congeals into your spirit and starts speaking, speaking up to you. When God came to speak to um, Solomon, it was in a dream. Solomon didn't get up physically. He was lying down there. Solomon, you know, the normal daily activities were gone. Whatever Solomon asked God for that time was, was what was deep, remember our English? Was what was deepermost in his heart. And that's why God came to him at that time. Nobody confused him that morning. The bandit you drove past couldn't affect him. Maybe all the kings from uh, Egypt, from Syria, all the kings from around, they came. The king of the Ammonites, Edomites, they came to greet him that day. And they came with royal vehicles, gold everywhere. That was not going to affect him. That was a day's encounter. What was inside there, what was deepermost in his heart, was what spoke up when the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The man was asleep. Let's put it like this. His spirit man rose and spoke. You are getting the point I'm making here? So the question therefore is that, what is it that is driving you? That's the question every Christian must ask himself, ask herself. You know, when people are arguing sometimes about doctrines, I've learned, that's the way I say it, that if an adult tells you 2 plus 2 is equal to 5, don't quarrel. An adult comes and tells you 2 plus 2 is equal to 5. You know he knows it is 4. So how come in his own situation it is 5? 
And we have gotten into arguments before, morning, afternoon, and evening. On two plus two is four, he said, no, it is five. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You bring out the crowns, you know. Did you learn to count with crown? Uh-huh. Or sticks. One, two, one, two. Then you mix it together. Did you do mixing together? As if that mixing was necessary to get the right figure. You count it for the man. He will look at the four and say, one, two, three, four, five. I learned long ago, there's no point arguing. He has a fifth one that you don't know about. He does. He's counting it. And what's that fifth one? That fifth one is that he has checked the result of agreeing that two plus two is four. And he does not like the result. For that reason, he cannot accept that two plus two is four. The, the, the implications are too many. He can't live with the implication. So he keeps arguing with you, putting scriptures here and there. You are arguing on things that are so clear from scriptures. But the man will never agree. As far as he's concerned, two plus two must be equal to five. Now, this is what I'm going to explain. Whatever we are looking for in life affects what we hear, affects what we understand. It does. It affects what we hear. It affects what we understand. Listen, one man said something once. He says, friends told him that, look, go to that church. They are teaching how to make people rich. I don't know whether you're getting my point. A young man is confused. And his friend said to him, go to that church. If you go to that church, you will learn how to be rich. So he came to church and became a good Christian. I don't know whether I get my point. He became a good Christian. And you see, the truth is this. Eh? Now, bear this in mind. You know, there's this man, this Australian man I quote once in a while, Peter Daniels. Peter Daniels, he was known in Australia, he used to be on radio, you know, and teaching. Now, not teaching Bible now, but teaching business. But being a Christian, he used to teach, you know, sound Christian principles. And one thing he kept on saying is that these principles are good for business. And it was correct. This is where I'm going. So if you come to church looking for money, and you go to a church where they teach everything balanced, you can learn some principles that are good, even though you are not born again, and it will be good for your business. I've met people before. I remember one man I met. He told me how he used to listen to me on radio. And some things I taught, he told me he used it to work in one government house. He followed that principle. He made double the amount of money he would have otherwise made if he did not follow the things I said. So it happens. So you see the man, he will be dead, diligent coming to church. He will join, I mean, don't forget, church is also a social arrangement. You have friends there. So you come regularly. And we're always doing these seminars. And then next thing, we'll start doing business networking. The man, either he did, never fully gave his life to Christ, or he did like Simon, but still bound to covetousness. But we keep on preaching prosperity. Now, not listen to me. Nothing wrong with preaching prosperity. Because it's the word of God. So I'm not saying that it's, eh, it's, it's pastors that cost it. You are preaching prosperity. Listen. If you preach poverty, those who have a, a depressed spirit will follow you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's, look, look, listen, listen. Many of the churches are presetting moves of dressing. Half of those following them are following them for two reasons. One, they are poor. Two, they are depressed. What I'm telling you is not a joke. Eh? I'm telling you the truth. It is known. We learned these things when we were studying psychology and psychiatry those days. Listen, you can look at somebody's dressing. It will tell you whether he's happy or he's not happy. If you see an adult, anytime he comes out, he never irons his shirt. Look, look. You don't iron your shirt. He shows something is wrong. Let's not, don't pretend. These are things of this world. It's not things of this world, though. Bros, come and see us. Let's talk. What's your problem? 
And it's not whether you are rich or poor. I've seen people that didn't have anything. They see the little sh- that is, if I remember one brother in school, and that you see him always looking sharp, crystal clean, but he couldn't afford to buy one shirt. Any shirt you see on him, other people dashed him. But his spirit was alive. So his spirit ironed the shirt, ironed the trousers, mended it. When you see him, looking good and rich. So what I'm say is that we are not blaming the man who preached prosperity. Those days when I was in Lagos, okay? So I'm going criticizing Bishop Oyedeko. Now, Bishop David Oyedeko of um, Winners. And people had just come to that church, and they have become people, covetous Christians. Do you know, I couldn't understand. You know why I couldn't understand? When I was listening to Bishop, hmm? I listened to him so much, my shoes developed holes under. I did not notice. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He gave me a different perspective to life. I was not afraid of poverty. I didn't have money. I don't think I had. And when I had, I did not remember to buy shoes. One day I went to this pastor courage. And some of our sisters, they saw me. No, I was with him. He didn't say anything. So when I go, I went to see some sisters. So one of them said, ha, banky. This is your shoe. Why is he praising God like this? That his shoe was facing one direction. All of them began to yap me. So I turned to him. He was with me. Say, this guy is a loyal friend, you know. He will be on my side. I said, ah, man of God, you think, ah. Say, I didn't want to say. Let it not be as if he's, ah. Hey, two. <laughs> Listen, I got angry. Let me tell you something. I went back to Lagos and bought that week bought two pairs of Italian shoes, top quality. I can still see them in my eyes. So money, that time, at that time, it was not money that was my problem. But Bishop Wedepo had removed, I couldn't see the things of the world. Honest, I'm not lying to you. One day I laughed. My friend said, look at him. He's laughing like a bishop. That was when I heard my own laughter. You know, I now replayed my laughter in my head. We used to laugh like bishop. If you listen to a, one single person for over 500 hours in eight months, over 500 hours. Calculate that. That was more than 50 hours a month. Because if it's 10 months, that would be 50 hours a month. I was doing almost 60 hours every month, which meant that no day passed. On the average, I did two hours of listening to him a day. But at the end of the day, some say, they were criticizing him that he's made people covetous. I say, who did you listen to? This is the same man. This is the same man. He's the one I quote till today. That why do I want to die because of something that can catch fire? Those words were his words. He said he had a Mercedes Benz that in 280. They needed money to do some evangelism work. He gave them the key. Go and sell it. They sold the car, used it to preach. He now said, he said, look at it. Because of an ordinary car that can catch fire. Come and see the result that we are getting in ministry. That was what I heard from him. He taught me things. He made me understand that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Some of them were criticizing that I bought private jet. You know, I could not. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He, he didn't tell us be poor in life. But he taught us that money doesn't control your life. He taught us that God can prosper you anywhere. He, those are the things I learned to all. Some people went there and became criminals. There are people who are angry with Bishop till today. Why? The first time they saw him, he was driving a Lincoln Navigator. But for me, I mean, I knew he had his Lincoln Navigator. It did not, it didn't bother me. We will rise up early. Hey, God. I will take three buses to get to Yanopaja because we are going for school of ministry. Leave my house by 6 a.m. in the morning. 
because I had to walk to Mushi Mushi and take a bus to Oshodi, Oshodi to Yanapaja, Yanapaja to church. Oh boy, that takes time. Be there by 8 in the morning, getting ready for school of ministry. What was I learning? I was learning that these material things don't control your life. I was learning that God can bring prosperity anywhere, anytime. The same God in India is the same God here. Those are his words. But you see, when people had the covetous spirit and they got in there, when they saw money, huh? <laughs> see money. <laughs> see, how do we get it? When he says, you will sow a seed, they will go and steal and sow. I'm telling you. Why? Because what they were pursuing, that's what I'm talking about. That spirit inside them was driving them. They were cherry picking, picking and choosing the things that they wanted to hear. So no matter how much a man preached against some other things, they didn't hear those things. From the same words, I was, you know the first day I sat down and people were criticizing me on some things, I was, I was bemused. Like, are we talking about the same person here? Those is any time he spoke. You see, you wanted to live for Christ and you wanted to die for Christ at the same time. I remember once <laughs> I was talking with my mother, you know, we were just talking about, you know, of course, a lot of our friends have traveled abroad and all of that. So she now dropped one, one line of, ah, this person has gone abroad. I said, <laughs> I didn't know, I just opened my mind. I said, Bishop Oedepo said a lizard in Nigeria. It was quoted as Bishop Benson Daosa. It was from his mother, heard it. Will not become an alligator in America. My mother said, You have come again. I have come again. Where else will I go? <laughs> Those are the things we heard. The kind of spirit you have affects what you hear. You know, the other day, co workers, at the beginning of the year, I explained it here when we were having our meeting. That's one of the things that have given me, me, you know, people were criticizing Bishop Oedipo. Me too, I've been criticized too. And it's good. When you've been criticized, maybe you're not important. You know? <laughs> You are not important. If nobody is criticizing you, forget. You can't find your name on Google. Forget. <laughs> they have not yapped you yet. Hey, yeah. So I've been criticized too, amen? I don't make up. <laughs> one day I was criticized. Of course, again and again I've been criticized. Now, one of the ways I get criticized, okay, is that people hear me wrongly. Now, you see what I'm saying? Many people get the impression that I am saying Christians should not give. I've heard people tell me, okay, that the, the one brother said, he thought I said Christians should not give. Now, did you ever get that impression? It shows you are normal. Some people got that impression that Christians should not give. Ah. I said, how could Banky has, how could I have said that? How could I have said that? How's Kingdom World Ministries running? How could I have said that? But now I realize, you know, some of the things that have happened, that, that's where I'm going. No matter what you preach, certain people will use you as an excuse. All of you have heard me long enough know that I don't believe that God commanded that we must be regularly calculating 10% of our income for anything. I believe that if you want to do that, it's your choice. And I can make it a law and say, in Kingdom World Ministries, don't pass through this door unless you show me the, res- the, the bank printout where you automated the doctrine of 15%. It's not the law of God, I know. It's the law of banking. As I'm the president and commander-in-chief of Kingdom World Ministries, can do as I like. If you don't like it, what do you do? You don't come. So you go and listen to my messages, but you will not come because you don't want to do bank printout. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. So um, what I'm trying to say is that you, it's your life. 
People say that, should I give the, my whole January salary as first fruit? I say, it's your money. You can do what you like with it. I do what I like with my own. That's what I believe. Now, some people are liberated by that, and they become very generous. And around me, I have very generous people. Because true believers, when they are liberated, they are very generous people. But you know what? Some people are not liberated. They are stingy. They don't want to drop their money. Pastor Nogo say, Pian can like this will not drop. When you say, why, why are we not seeing your money? Say, Pastor Banky said, and I become the one they are quoting. Wicked people are quoting me. I don't know whether you are getting my point. They won't quote the other aspect that I said a New Testament tither is the cheerful and generous giver. They won't quote that one. They will not quote it. They won't quote it. That I've said that there was a time I, I was being owed money for a whole year. The money came. Shoom, we gave it out. They won't quote that one. Or they will quote it as, he said, yeah, well, your whole general salary is not your first fruit. He said, you like it. Last year, as he liked it, he ate everything. <laughs> February, <laughs> as he liked it, he ate everything. March, he's been eating everything. When you say, where's your title? Pastor Fagg said it's not compulsory. I am not the excuse they are using to defend wickedness. You know, I told you before, if you look, don't this when we were in school, when they preached, you know, God does not look on the outside. It's not how you dress that takes you to heaven. It's what's inside your heart. It's inside your heart. There's what they call exhibitionism. Is a, is a, is a, how do I describe it? It's a personality type. Some people like to show off their body. So, you know, they found themselves in, in, in such churches. Even they say, ah, sister, dress well now. That's not what's taking you to heaven. God looks at the heart. You men can look at my breast. That's your problem. God is looking at my heart. God does not see as he has seen. You are the one that has come out. You know if you talk again. Because they have all the right scriptures to quote for you. Meanwhile, the real problem, notice me, is their problem. They have a notice me spirit. If they are not noticing them, they won't sleep well that night. They did not come to church. <laughs> and be using what you preached. And you know, it's in the Bible like that. God said to Samuel, I look at the heart. I don't look outside. Oh God, when we were in school, I don't know about now, we saw all kinds of things. You go to fellowship. Ah, there are some fellowships that you start wondering that. <laughs> no, they used to help us when we were on campus. Go to some fellowship, you see them. The uselessest. Is that English good? Okay, don't like it. Okay, let me use the normal one, the one you are used to. The most useless. You see most useless dressing in church. Why? Because they took one scripture and used to justify what was already in their own hearts. Please, I hope you are getting my point. That is how I got into being criticized too. Because some bad people use me as an excuse to be stingy. But you are all witnesses unto me. Are you getting my point? <laughs> Am I like that? Is that what I thought? God forbid. I can't teach such things. Now, what am I saying? All of this? I'm saying all of this so let's understand. So, when people now start telling you their spirit, their spirit, their spirit, know what is pushing them. Many times, it's those things that are pushing people, and exactly means their spirits. This is the main thing we are trying to say. Let's get back to where we began reading from. Where do we start from? First Corinthians chapter four. Yes. First Corinthians chapter four. Believers in Christ Jesus. 
This is what must be our primary push. He said, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. It is required in stewards that one be what? Found faithful. Found what? Faithful. Found what? Faithful. I want to hear the word from your mouth. Found? Faithful. 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 You know, I don't know who said this, but one man of God said something. So people talk about mansion in heaven. Maybe there are mansions he doesn't know. Whatever be the crown they are given in heaven, he said he really doesn't care about it. He said what's most important to him is one thing. That one day he will see the Lord. And the Lord will say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He said that's all the reward he needs. That statement. The Lord brings out the hand and says, shake my hand. Well done, good and faithful servant. What am I teaching? I'm teaching that for believers, that is what we should be going for. You've heard me say it again and again. I don't believe in the the, the gospel of success. I don't believe in it. I totally don't believe in it. My reason is that how do you define success? How do you define success? Isaiah preached and preached and preached. I have spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. Jeremiah preached. Nobody believed him. Jeremiah said so much. He said, what did the word, God, word of God bring for me? You know what Jeremiah said? He said, it brought, it brought for me enmity. My friends left me. I became a name like, ah, he's coming. People are just, as Jeremiah is approaching. He said, hey, okay, we'll see tomorrow now. They will disappear. They will scatter. Why? Jeremiah is approaching. Listen. In South Korea, Brother Yonggi Cho, he built the largest single congregation in the world. Jeremiah built the smallest congregation in the world. He was not liked by people. So bad. You know, at the point in time, Jeremiah said something. He said, now this word has now become a source of shame, a source of derision, a source of enmity for me. So what am I going to do? I won't say anything again. I will no longer preach. So he went to one and said, a man of God, anything, he said, nothing. God is not speaking again. Leave it. Then he lay down at night, and the pressure in his soul would not let him sleep. He said the word became like fire shot up in my bones. So he came out again and began to prophesy. If he wanted to count congregation, Jeremiah didn't have. He didn't build a big church. What about Ezekiel? Ah, Ezekiel had a big church. Ezekiel's church was big. They were always expanding. Ezekiel, people would gather and say, oh boy, were you in service last time? No. The rhymes that pastor brought from heaven. He said, if you can see the invisible, you will do the impossible. He said, eh? He said, perspire to acquire the desire that you admire. <laughs> and don't retire, but refire. He said, oh boy, they go, George. <laughs> His church kept on enlarging. Then God called him Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He said, not one of them is doing what you say. He said to them, you are an entertainer. He said, they come to you as people come. They say, let's go and hear the word from the mouth of the pastor. Of course, that one prophet. He said, but what do they do? He said, they hear your words, they don't do them. He said, you are nothing but a man who sings well and plays skillfully on an instrument. Basically, Ezekiel was seen by the Israelites as an entertainer. What do you call success? Nobody followed Jeremiah. They didn't like him. Ezekiel, they liked him. The guy was handsome. Everybody followed him. Once he's doing, 
Holy Ghost night. Ooh, everybody's there. God calls him and says, oh boy, don't deceive yourself. Not one of them is believing what you are saying. That's why I don't like that. So God, the gospel of success. Did we go to Revelations again for time's sake? Open it. You can read the Revelation chapter 3. The one we quote all the time, the church in Smyrna, in Laodicea. Rich church. They will just come and say, oh, we're expanding that direction because we need to redo that wall. The wall we used before was made with Dangote cement. We now found this important cement. We'll break it down. We'll redo it. We'll now tile it. Every idea they had, they had money to carry it out. If they hear a man say, oh, this guy preaches well in America, fly him down. They had money. Let us pray. He said, what are we praying about, brethren? Can we pray about something else? Brethren, write your checks. They write the check. Why pray when there's money? But Jesus looked at them and shook his head. Because they were bragging. We are rich. We have need of nothing. But Jesus said, you don't realize that you are what? You are poor. You are wretched. You are blind. You are naked. You are miserable, yes. Thank you. Those are the words he used to describe a very rich church. There are churches in Nigeria today. When I look at them sometimes, <laughs> they're Laodicea and Awa. You know, you see. Yeah. Don't ask me which church, you can't guess. But there are many rich churches that are good. Some of the rich churches are better. So there are all kinds of rich churches. I didn't say anyone was bad. Did you hear that? I didn't say anyone was bad. But sometimes I could just look and say, one of these whole churches is from Laodicea. You just look at all of them. How do you define success? That's what I'm making. How do you define it? There was another church a few verses before in chapter 2. The church in Smyrna. That one, nothing. The floor of the church was not cemented. The roof was leaking. Car park. What are you parking? <laughs> nothing. They were known for poverty. And Jesus looked at them. He said, I know of your poverty. He said, but let me let you into a secret. Actually, you are rich. So how do you define success? 